Welcome back. Before we dive into episode three, I want to say thank you for everybody's support so far. I have been totally blown away by how many people have listened, commented, encouraged, and given feedback. I have enjoyed our story time together, and I hope you have as well. That being said, it's story time right now. My name is Noah Dieselkamp, and I'd like to tell you a story. I'd like to tell you a story, if you've got the time. Robert Smalls was a crazy kind of man. Crazy enough to do the unthinkable, the kind of thing that only the bravest of men and women could bring themselves to do. But to appreciate just how crazy Robert was, you first need to know who Robert was. Robert Smalls was born in Beaufort, South Carolina in 1839. Later in his life, he would be referred to as the King of Beaufort County, but at birth he was anything but. You see, Robert's mother was Lydia Polite, an African-American slave who belonged to a plantation owner by the name of John McKee. So Robert was born into slavery. Though some accounts indicate that the McKees had a soft spot for Robert, he was horrified by the harsh treatment slaves on the plantation endured. At the age of 12, his masters sent him to Charleston to hire himself out and bring extra wages in for the household. For over 10 years, Robert worked a variety of jobs around Charleston, including as a lamplighter, sailmaker, and rigger, and eventually worked as a sailor, becoming an accomplished navigator and steersman. After the Civil War began in 1861, this work experience got him conscripted by the Confederacy to serve aboard the Planter, a cotton steamer turned ammunitions transport. By this time, Robert had started a family with his wife, Hannah, with whom he had two children. Hannah's owner had agreed to let Robert purchase his family's freedom, but the price was set at $800, and up to this point, Robert had only been able to pay 100 of that amount. So Robert began to form a plan, a plan that might just be crazy enough to actually work, because Robert Smalls was a crazy kind of man, crazy enough to do the unthinkable. The plan was to steal the planter and all the ammunition on board and deliver it to the Union blockade just outside the Charleston Harbor. And that's what Robert did. He and the six other slaves operating the planter knew the risks. When asked what would happen if caught, he said, quote, I shall be shot, end quote. All the men involved would likely be killed, and any women and children involved would be beaten and severely punished. But Robert and his brave comrades went ahead with the plan anyway. They saw their opportunity on the evening of May 12, 1862, when the captain of the planter, Charles Relier, along with the other two white crew members, left the ship overnight to stay on shore. Before dawn on May 13th, Robert Smalls, along with the other black crew members, Alfred Gurdeen, David Jones, Jack Gibbs, Gabriel Turner, John Small, and Abraham Jackson, began threading their way through the harbor. 
I say threading because before actually leaving, they had to stop and pick up their families at the North Atlantic Wharf. And after this, the planter, which now had 16 people on board, continued its treacherous journey towards the mouth of Charleston Harbor. They had their Confederate and South Carolina flags flying and passed by three Confederate forts without an issue. But their path was also going to take them right past the heavily armed Confederate Fort Sumter. They held their collective breaths as they neared Fort Sumter. If they made a single misstep here, the sentry could quite literally blow them out of the water at a moment's notice. Fortunately, Smalls was experienced and had been paying attention. He put on his captain's straw hat and pulled the steamer's whistle three times, signaling that he needed to pass, and then stood in the fog on the rocking boat deck, waiting for the sentry's reply. They received an affirmative response, telling them to blow the Yankees up or bring one of the ships back as a prize. Aye, aye, replied Smalls, and they were on their way. They hastily approached the Union blockade and ran a white bedsheet up the mast, surrendering the planter to the Union, along with all the guns and ammunition on board. The 23-year-old and his family were free for the first time in their lives. So what did Robert do? Exactly what you'd expect a crazy kind of man to do. He began lobbying for African Americans to be able to join the Union military and, when he was successful, joined the Union Navy. Rumor was that by this time, Smalls had single-handedly recruited 5,000 soldiers. And so, the man who was crazy enough to risk it all to save his family risked it all again to defend his newly won freedom. While in the Navy, he achieved the rank of captain, serving both on the planter, now refitted again, this time as a troop transport, as well as the USS Keokuk, a Union ironclad. His 17 naval engagements in the Charleston area included at least one assault on Fort Sumter, the very fort he and his family and friends had slipped past in May of 1862. Post-war Robert Smalls was no less gutsy. Accepting a commission as Brigadier General of the South Carolina Militia, Smalls returned to Beaufort, South Carolina, the city where he was born a slave. Using the money he had earned in the Navy, Smalls opened a store, started a school for black children, began publishing a newspaper, and purchased a house still visible at 511 Prince Street, Beaufort, South Carolina. Incidentally, the very same house previously owned by the John McKee family. The house where Robert Smalls had been born into slavery was now his. By the age of 31, Smalls had been elected to the state senate. By age 35, he was elected to the U.S. Congress in a landslide against J.P.M. Epping. He served five non-consecutive terms in Congress, during which time he worked tirelessly, though often unsuccessfully, for the causes he believed in. Let's pause for a moment and appreciate that this was not 
a good time and place to be black, especially in politics. Despite progress made during the Civil War and the following years, many people in South Carolina, as well as other states, ranged from not supportive of blacks to downright hostile and violent towards them. For example, in 1882, influential people in South Carolina had manipulated the borders of the voting districts with no regards to county lines in order to limit black influence to as few districts as possible. The city of Beaufort was located in one such district, a district that contained 25% of the black population in the entire state, resulting in a district that was 82% black. Despite such efforts of those around him to minimize the influence of blacks, Smalls was persistent in his congressional efforts. He pushed for anti-discrimination and desegregation in both military and civilian contexts. He requested federal aid in discouraging and weeding out the red shirt militia, a similar concept to the Ku Klux Klan. Smalls continued to be active in politics in one form or another for most of his remaining life, despite growing opposition both in Congress and the South Carolina home front. And that opposition sometimes came from unexpected places. One of the reasons he was unsuccessful in winning another election for Congress was an increase in division and rivalry between lighter-skinned biracial blacks, such as Smalls, and darker-skinned blacks. Perhaps the most painful part of his later political career was his role as a delegate to the State Constitutional Convention in 1895. In the end, this convention followed the Jim Crow legislation of many other states at the time, stripping blacks of their voting rights and reintroducing segregation in most public areas, despite the passionate representation by Smalls and five other black delegates. At this convention, Smalls said what has become his most recognizable quote. My race needs no special defense, for the past history of them in this country proves them to be equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. End quote. And from what I can tell, Robert Smalls certainly lived by that. He was not offered an equal chance, but he was crazy enough to do the inconceivable anyway. But he wasn't satisfied with everything he'd done so far. Sure, he was crazy enough to commandeer a Confederate ship and sail his family right out from under Fort Sumter's watchful gaze. And yes, he then turned around and helped pave the way for blacks in the Union military, attaining the rank of captain in the Navy. And as we just discussed, he then returned to the city where he was born and became a politician in a time and place where black politicians were not a welcome sight. But Robert Smalls was a crazy kind of man. Crazy enough to do the unthinkable, the kind of thing that only the bravest of men and women could bring themselves to do. That's why, when Jane McKee, his former master's wife, who was by this time an impoverished, mentally and physically ill elderly woman, showed up at his house not cognizant enough to know that she no longer lived there. This slave turned pilot, 
turned captain, turned politician, also became a caregiver. Smalls welcomed Miss McKee into his home, even going so far as to let her live in her old room, and cared for her until her death. He was born her slave, but by the time she died, he was her willing and generous benefactor. And that kind of grace, that kind of generosity, that's just the right amount of crazy in my book. Thank you so much for listening. A couple of weeks ago, I posted on social media asking people to share where they were listening from and promised to give a shout out to one location in episode three. Well, here we are. So the location I picked at random from these responses was Nashua, New Hampshire. Thank you again, everyone, for your interest in this program. As always, the music for this podcast was written and produced by Benjamin Holloway. For his information, as well as a transcript of this episode with sources included, please visit my website at bit.ly slash tellastorypodcast. That's bit.ly slash tellastorypodcast. Have a great day.